I think we bang on about not doing all of the P's a bit too much. I don't know if that's controversial, but we know we don't always get as much influence as we'd like across all of those areas. But I think we need to get over it and maybe focus on the bits where we can add value. (laughs) Hello, welcome back. Last week on Marketing Trek, I met managing partner of the big business agency, Peter Russell-Smith, and we talked about what marketers can do to resist recession. Now, Peter is a straight talker. He's been around the block a few times, driving tech businesses, working with private equity, coaching scale-ups, and much, much more. These days, he's a management consultant and he speaks in plain truths, and there are not many consultants that do that. Anyhow, Peter and I had an excellent conversation. There were loads of aha moments. So I urge you, please take 30 minutes to listen to Peter Russell-Smith episode which you can find on marketingdifference.co.uk or on the marketing difference channel on your favorite pod platform this week on the podcast i meet sally winter marketing director for benefex benefex is an award-winning employee software developer they make OneHub, a platform for enterprise that brings together employee benefit software, reward and recognition tech, as well as workplace communications. And it's all in one place. Sally brings a really interesting perspective, both with her deep expertise in marketing and leadership, but also from a tech and employee benefits perspective, because in times of recession, when companies can't increase salaries as much as they might like to, benefits become important. In our conversation, we discuss how marketing can save the world and what many marketers really just need to get over. We also talk about the importance of sticking with brand campaigns and some of the challenges with rapid growth. But before all that, I wanted to learn a little bit more about Sally and a little bit more about Benefex. This is how our conversation went. Hi, Sally, how are you? Hi, I'm really good. Thanks for having me. I've been listening to the series, so really excited to be here. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about you and Benefex? So I work for a workplace technology company called Benefex. Our platform helps global companies um, specifically manage their employee benefits, their perks, and really anything that falls within the remit of the Global Reward Director. We're working towards a purpose, which is to power exceptional employee experiences every day. So that's why we exist. And we try to do that with the tech that we build. And that's what makes us stand out in the market because we offer employees an online experience that they don't normally expect from their workplace tech. I head up the marketing team at Benefex. Shout out to the Benefex marketing team, by the way, because they are legends. And it's my job to make sure that marketing is helping to power what is a very fast growing company through raising awareness and creating demand. And when I prepared for that, I thought I can already imagine some people saying all the P's that are missing from that. But I think we can come on to that later about, you know, what marketing's role is in a recession. Meanwhile, of course, on the outside, the world's in a little bit of turmoil at the moment. It's been challenging for the last few years, to say the least. And um, economists who are a dry bunch at the best of times, but not recently the best at predicting things, have been telling us we're going into recession for well over a year now. We're not necessarily technically there. But God, it feels like we are. Um, (laughs) What challenges are you seeing at the moment in the market? We might not technically be in a recession, but it doesn't really matter to people's day-to-day lives whether, you know, you've got the Bank of England stating that that's a factor or not. 
Um, I think when you look at the economic situation, everyone can see and feel that it's bad. The economy is shrinking. It's not technically in a recession, but it's shrinking. And just in preparation for this, I, I looked at some of the stats, you know, government's independent forecasters say that compared to inflation, household incomes are going to drop by 6% this year and next year. We're facing the largest fall in living standards ever recorded. And just this week on the news, we heard about more increases in inflation and interest rates. But everyone's got less money in their pockets, haven't they? Households literally haven't had it this bad for 70 years. And all of these people are the ones that turn up to work every day and interface with tech like ours. So it's really important that we look to the problems of those end users as well as our customers because we've got millions of end users who are relying on their employers to help them in tough times and in turn those employers are turning to us to see how can you help me support my people and my wider employee value proposition in these times. Yeah so before we move on to the rest of the year what else are you seeing right now? Um, So in terms of the challenges we're seeing specifically in the workplace tech sector Our customers are looking at how they can reward employees when they can't necessarily give them an inflation matching and certainly not an inflation busting rise. So they're looking at ways to help their pay packet go further. And because our technology can help them do that, we're in a quite lucky place that we don't tend to get affected by recession or downturns as much as other companies in this space. It's not as likely to get dropped as some nice-to-have discretionary tech. But as a business, we still need to respond to that extra pressure and look at our products and tech to make sure employees can offer more to their employees, whether that's through benefits, tax savings, perks, and the tech that that's wrapped up in, even in tough times, and give them a better online experience while they're doing it. So you say even in tough times, do you think especially in tough times? I mean, have you seen a a pickup in interest? Because I know certainly we've started looking at this area a lot more seriously for exactly the reason you're saying, that it's really hard to give an inflation busting rise or or to keep doing it. Like we've made, we've done a few special measures. Is, Is a bad time a good time for the benefits business? I think it can be because I think it gives reward functions a chance to look at what they've got and see where they can get more value from it. So, for example, one of the things that um, we offer employers through the platform is various medical support services, for example, you know, health, menopause, different stages of life. And there are often an insured part of those benefits, but it comes with lots of different value add services. And the providers that offer those, certainly through COVID, have pivoted their business model really to move away from just the insured offering that they have and look at all those value add services. So that's one example of a way that organizations can look to the providers they have and look to our technology as a way to get that message out and make people feel supported. So maybe this is like going back to where we started today, which the value prop for you as an organization marketing externally and the value prop for me as an employer, they're completely aligned right now because we're both look you're you're looking to deliver extra value and I'm looking to find it so that's great what about for the rest of the year like how are you seeing things develop this year in terms of the economy I don't think things are going to get better necessarily are they heard Andrew Bailey on the radio this morning saying that he expects inflation to ease over summer but I think the cost of living crisis is here for a couple of years still isn't it and I think it will 
continue to be important and become more important for us to align with our customers in that way between our value proposition and their employee value proposition. And one of the ways we've been doing that is looking to our customers to show them the extra value that they can uncover in what they have already. You know, particularly in the employee benefits space, there are so many providers that offer so much. Um, You might have a health insurer that ostensibly does protective cover for your people, but around that has so many value add services in terms of, you know, apps where you can go and check your moles or menopause advice or fertility advice and, and all of this content and service that comes around the core product. And I think particularly when companies are struggling to find ways to um, help their people, we can do that for them by uncovering that through the content and the services that wrap around some of the core benefits. Have you found Brexit affecting your business at all? I don't think so. So our speciality is delivering employee benefits across boundaries anyway. So our teams are experts at, you know, delivering platforms around the world and crossing those legislative and tax boundaries, for example. So I don't think it's made a stack of difference to how we run our business. Personally, I'm pissed off, but that's (laughs) my ideological (laughs) point of view. Brilliant. I shan't share mine on this episode. Um, Can we have another podcast for that? Exactly. We'll do that. We'll come back and we'll talk about that another time. But, um, you know, that's just one of the external factors that's impacting businesses because you're, because you're so internationally operate in so many different geographies um, with their own legislation. Uh, What other factors are you seeing sort of now that are affecting how you guys go to market? Um, So if I think about it in terms of those environmental factors models that we all looked at um, back when we did our marketing qualifications, whether it's PEST or SLEPT or PESL or whatever they're calling it in 2023, (laughs) I think um, one factor stands out for us and it's tech. Um, From the point of view of the business, I mean, consumer technology developments and how we can bring those principles into the B2B workplace tech sector that I'm in, you know, most of us will have been frustrated at some point by an HR system at work or a multitude of HR systems that you're expected to operate with. Um, So whether it's the number of them that you have to use or the clunky tech that sits behind them, a lot of workplace tech is years behind what we experience when we go home from the office, if we've been in the office or from our hybrid desk, what we go home and then interact with. And for our business, that's a key point of difference. You know, our ability to offer a better user experience and reduce the number of platforms that people have to interface with. And when they do have to interface with them, try and do it on something that feels like a better user experience than a Nokia 1100 or something. <laughs> Good. Okay. So look, my view is that marketing is going to save the world, but I would say that, wouldn't I? Because I'm a marketer and we all know there's only two things in business, innovation and marketing. But unfortunately, the rest of the world doesn't think like us. It's full of people who have different job titles. It doesn't have marketing <laughs> in them anywhere. I think sometimes it's easy to get stuck on like, how is marketing going to save the world? The reality is we are all caught in the day to day. So if you were going to be summarising the role of marketing or particularly how marketing can help businesses where we are now, what kind of stuff would you want to talk to them about? It's a big question. And I think marketing should be setting out to save the world. And I think sometimes we get entangled in and, you know, wrapped up in too much what marketing is. And I remember working at London Business School a long time ago, 
but seeing stand-up rows between strategy professors and marketing professors about who owned what. So to that thing oh, about yeah. it's either innovation or marketing. And then it's like, well, what is marketing? And I think lots of people have lots of different definitions, don't they? But I always like to think of it as looking at the whole business from the customer's point of view. At least that, I think that's what we all want to be doing. Yeah. Hopefully we'll save the world along the way because we'll be creating amazing products and value that come with it. And I say that's what we should be doing, but I know that 99% of us, I'm not sure we look at that whole journey. And, you know, I alluded to the P's before and yep. and we know that there are neglected marketing P's, right? Um, well, well, all of them apart from promotion. As far yeah, as I can well, see. exactly. And I, I think this is a, the thing we, you know, sometimes get a bit navel gazing in this industry, yeah. don't we, about what marketing is. And I think we bang on about not doing all of the P's a bit too much. I don't know if that's controversial, but we know we don't always get as much influence as we'd like across yeah. all of those areas. But I think we need to get over it and maybe Ooh, focus on the bits where we can add value. <laughs> okay. You know, I don't know a CMO who has responsibility for product end-to-end. -end. You know, we have product marketeers and they're kind of there to interface between us and product because we don't have that direct line, right? So I think we maybe need to jog on and focus on the things that we really can add value from. Do you think that changes because we're in a recession or is that an evergreen? So I think where I was trying to get to with that is if we're saying that in your sort of organisation, the role of the marketer is to, to have that end-to-end -end view of the customer journey and to be able to represent that. Maybe the two things aren't connected, but but I'm wonder, I just wonder, it sounds like that takes a lot of time and effort to do. And have you got that time and effort, I think is what, have you got the time and resource, I guess, is what I'm trying to get my head around. Yeah, so I think it's more of a tactical thing though, because for me, it's just literally talking to those customers okay. who are at each stage of that journey. Oh, okay. And because it's it's the proof points, isn't it? And it's kind of your bottom of funnel content yep. that drives those opportunities. But I wonder if maybe we sort of shift that to, to that your point about what's different in a recession, because I think it's not so much what your remit is, but just how you deliver that and not panicking and okay. not not doing a crazy pivot from brand to lead gen. <laughs> okay. Which the long is, and the short of it. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Okay. If we're going to take a lesson out of this for listeners who are trying to re resist recession, we've got marketing's responsibility is to understand the customer journey end to end and represent that internally so that the effort is focused in the right direction. Mm -hmm. It is that the lots of conversations with customers to direct that. Yep. And not throwing out the longer term work at the same time yeah thank you for listening so far we hope you are enjoying the show now we're working really hard to improve the quantity and the quality of our output and if you want to make sure that you get our podcast first all you need to do is register at marketingdifference.co.uk we won't spam you we'll just let you know when the episodes are coming live we'd love it also if you were to give us a review on apple podcasts or even if you were just to tick the follow button thank you very much and i hope you enjoy the rest of today's show this is just a quick reminder that you are listening to marketing trek the Resisting Recession special, powered by Selby Anderson, with me, Dom Hawes. Coming up on the podcast, we discuss the challenges with rapid scaling, and I ask Sally how leadership 
could or should be using purpose. But first, I wanted to know what Sally would talk about if she was given the keynote address at the upcoming Ignite B2B conference. This is what she said. I'd want to talk about brand versus lead gen, I think. And I don't think, you know, marketing's role necessarily changes during a recession, but I think we do need to find strength in our mindset in believing the things that we have always believed because they are proven to be true. And that's, you know, the truth about what works in marketing um, before we go into a short term scramble for leads, which is an easy thing to do, I think, in a recession, because there's a natural reactionary instinct, isn't there, to bin all the brand campaigns and chuck every resource that you've got at performance marketing. And it can sometimes be exacerbated. You know, I'm very lucky that the non-marketeers I work with, including our founder, who's the CEO, are very marketing savvy. They get it. So you get that support in marketing. But I have worked in businesses where non-marketeers don't get that and um, just intrinsically don't like the brand elements of what marketeers do you know they see it as superficial and see brand building as as vanity really and luckily I don't work with any of those people now but I have done and everyone has done in the past so you know brand to them is a representation of all the things that they don't like about marketing and it's easy to feel pressured in that kind of environment to redirect spend to performance marketing where you know you can prove the ROI. How does your leadership use I'm assuming it does, but how do they use your purpose, your, both your purpose statement, but also that sense of purpose to help them sort of direct the business and the people? Our purpose is to power how the world delivers exceptional employee experiences every day. So that's what we exist to do. And the companies we work with often have purpose at their core, don't they? So, you know, why they exist. And when they come to us, they expect us to reflect that because we're there to support their employee value proposition. And potential employees are looking to companies to see what their purpose is, what their values are, because that's how they're going to make a decision about who they work for next. So it's incredibly important to us. And I can't think of an RFP that I've seen in the last year that hasn't alluded to this and asked us to show how we align with what they're trying to achieve. And it might be their overarching business purpose, you know, the reason the company exists, or it might be a specific part of their corporate goals, like sustainability, for example. So we can say, you know, we'll help you take petrol cars off the road for your people through an electric vehicle scheme, or we'll plant a tree for every benefit that somebody takes out. But whatever their purpose is, and whether it's a subset or their reason for existence, we we need to reflect that in their employee value proposition and the way we do business with them. Cool. Well, that's fascinating. Thank you very much. I mean, there's, there's one other area I wanted to touch on very quickly, which again, goes right back to the start. Because um, I'm always fascinated in how um, how businesses adapt and change, particularly obviously their marketing and their communications as they scale. And you mentioned that you're scaling like really quickly, mm-hmm. you're all international, you've got 2.2 million users out there interacting with your product daily. What are the particular challenges that that rate of scaling is throwing in your direction particularly? So I think from a marketing leader's point of view, it's about where you build the team out next. And I think what you insource and what you outsource is a challenge. You know, we've got a team of about 10 
And so it's just trying to think what function do we build out next? You know, product marketing was a clear one for us. And I'm a natural insourcer, I think. So, you know, we insource things like PPC, um, we insource design, but it's difficult when you might only be able to bring one person on board and therefore how does that person feel like a team and a function in their own right and we're at that cusp I think as a company of 500 people before the the next step really is to build a multifunctional team with teams that sit within marketing so that's the next steps and it's it's really just deciding um, what the most important roles are to give you that yeah. that end-to-end marketing expertise in-house. Thank you so much for your time. It's been fantastic. And uh, well, we'll have to come back another time and talk about Brexit when we see what the results are. Yeah, I'd love that. I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Dom. Perfect. Thank you. Well, that is the end of the show today. Thank you so much, Sally, for coming onto the show. I really enjoyed our conversation and found it super valuable. Now, there are loads of takeaways, and I'm going to list them all in the full show notes, which you can find at marketingdifference.co.uk. But here are a few highlights that I just want to pick out before saying a farewell. A common theme we see a lot, balance, performance, marketing, and brand building. Sally talked about the importance of finding that balance, the balance between performance and brand, especially when times are tough. She noted that marketers may be under enormous pressure to focus on the short term, on performance marketing, but you can't neglect your brand. Businesses must invest in both to ensure a comprehensive strategy that both supports customer-aligned growth, but also delivers value in the long term. And that's especially pertinent when times are tough. And it really chimed with me because I'm seeing a lot of stop-start marketing going on in B2B in particular. It's like marketers are uncertain about deploying budget because there aren't really any prizes for going early. But that approach isn't risk-free either. If you turn off marketing now, without damaging your business, like why do it at all? So I think it's much better to take a measured approach than stop altogether. Stagnation inevitably leads to decline. Next up, Sally emphasized the importance of understanding and addressing customer needs, again, especially when times are tough. And throughout the podcast, she highlighted the need for organizations to focus on value add, value added services beyond, in her case, the insured parts of employee benefits. So things like offering perks and support that can make a difference for employees. Now you can apply the same approach in your business. Only you know how, but you can add value to your clients. You can stay front of mind and you can secure relationships and revenues. Again, only you know how you can do that, but I do hope that Sally has sparked a few ideas. Next week, I meet with Rupert Rickson, the extraordinarily dynamic entrepreneur behind Perspective Pictures. He brings really fresh ideas about how to market during tough times and talks in some detail about how his company is using social media to drive sales. He gives the inside scoop too on how they filmed a Red Bull stunt landing a plane on a building in Dubai. Mm, Tune in next week to hear the scoop on that one. Now, just before I go, I would like to tell you that you can find detailed show notes and sometimes extras at marketingdifference.co.uk. You can also register there to make sure you don't miss any important shows. And I'd also like to ask you a personal favour. If you've enjoyed the show, please tell a couple of your colleagues about us or maybe consider rating and reviewing 
this show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's your call, of course, but I'd be grateful because it takes us around eight hours to make each show, but only around 30 seconds to review it. Marketing Trek is conceived and produced by Selby Anderson with creative support from One Fine Play. Nicola Fairley is executive producer, Connor Foley is the series producer, Kazra Ferruzio is the audio engineer and editor, and the episode is recorded at terminalstudios.co.uk. See ya! Thank you.